welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. Here we talk about everything healthcare and technology, and I'm your host, James Summeru. Hey everybody, this week I'm joined by Avi Mera. He is a medical doctor by background and an associate partner for healthcare at IBM. He's also the co-founder of Doctrepreneurs, which many of you may know, a non-profit and global community for medical innovators and entrepreneurs. We're going to hear loads about Abby's career, but he began it as a doctor in the NHS, transitioned from clinical practice to industry roles, and in 2014 joined Bupa as a clinical fellow. We're going to talk about that because we did the same fellowship, Avi and I. Uh, so he did that for a year, uh, was then appointed as Bupa's clinical lead for digital health, and then in 2016 joined IBM's newly formed healthcare technology and AI business unit, IBM Watson Health, which I'm sure you guys have heard of. But Avi, it's a pleasure to have you on, sir. And we're we're friends, I would say as well, right? That's that's a fair that's a fair thing to say. Don't shoot me down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <James. laughs> no. uh, thanks for having me on. Great to be on the podcast. You're very welcome. Whereabouts are you speaking to us from today, Avi? So I'm currently up in Newcastle. It's a nice sunny day. Glorious. Enjoying it here. Glorious. You've escaped London, my friend. You've have, you've taken advantage of lockdown. Yeah, temporarily though, we are coming back. So probably be, be moving back to London towards the end of the year. Very nice. Very nice. Cool. So, mate, the way we start these podcasts is uh, we get you to tell your stories. We've heard there. We we know it's a, a varied story. Uh, we obviously share some similar, quite a few similar parts yeah. actually to our yeah. to our stories of how. We got in and out of medicine, but um, yeah, tell us all about it, dude. Sure. So maybe let's kick off in medical school. Um, so I came down from Bolton, actually studied medicine at Imperial College. Yeah. Uh, it's the, the six-year degree there. So you had the opportunity to intercalate uh, in your fourth year um, in a subject of your choosing. And I was fortunate because Imperial had a unique sort of program where I had the opportunity to intercalate in the business school for one year. So nice. I studied management in my fourth year. Um, the reason that's important for me, I always look back, is that was sort of helped plant those first few seeds of interest in terms of other things outside of the science of, and practice of medicine. So learning about business strategy, learning about technology, innovation, healthcare for the first time and, and doing it in a structured format was, was really a great experience and started to sort of ignite sort of underlying fires and passions that I didn't realize were there. Um, so after graduation, I then did my foundation training, did that in the South Thames Deanery. And because of that year in the business school, I started sort of aggressively exploring opportunities, how I could use what I'd learned during that year in my day-to-day work. And, and so during my foundation training, got heavily involved in quality improvement projects um, as a way as sort of a vehicle of learning um, about the space. Uh, one particular one was as an F2 doctor, I was in Brighton. Um, I actually initiated and ended up leading quite an extensive um, trust-wide project to improve clinical handover. And we, we designed and developed a digital handover solution, which was integrated into the patient administration system and, and implemented it across um, two hospital sites over about 18 months. And that was for me, my sort of first hands-on, real hands-on experience of, you know, number one, sort of leading a health IT project and also just, just leading a project in general um, and doing something that was slightly different from clinical practice as a doctor. And again, sort of added that fuel to the fire. I really, I really enjoyed that experience. And so at the end of uh, you know, my foundation training, as a lot of doctors do, I decided you know, to take a pause. So I took the infamous F3 year, um, decided not to go down a specialty training path, but I kept my registration license. So I was still locoming on the side. Um, and then in that F3 year, um, I did a couple of things. I, Number one, 
continued with Brighton to sort of finish off that digital handover solution project and, and oversee its implementation. And number two, that was the year when we also um, launched Doctorpreneurs as a, as a formal nonprofit organization uh, with my co-founders. And, and I also went to the US to do a little bit more studying in management and strategy for a couple of months, just to add on what I'd learned in the business school. Again, really great year, just allowed me to be more flexible um, during that year and, and kind of just think about what I wanted to do with my career um, and, and why, and you know, what the different options could be. And then I came across the, the fellowship program, uh, the FMLM, you know, the Faculty of Medical Leadership and Management um, fellowship program. So I applied to that during my three year and was lucky enough to get on it. Um, so in the year after that F3 year, I was seconded to Bupa as part of this National Leadership and Management Fellowship Program. And I know you did it uh, subsequently yeah. as well. Um, and so was seconded to Bupa for the year. Um, really great opportunity to work across different business units within Bupa in their sort of health insurance business, in their provider business, and also work with their digital health team and got involved in um, a lot of cool, interesting projects which was actually initially how the IBM job ultimately came around. Oh, interesting. So towards the end of um, that Bupa Fellowship year, I, I got involved in a project where Bupa was a customer of IBM Watson okay. at the time. And they were doing a small exploration around Watson at the time in terms of different use cases. And yeah. we did a small prototype build where we essentially built a conversational agent, a digital health coach focused on diabetes. And I, on the Bupa side, was sort of led it from a clinical perspective. Hmm. Um, it didn't end up going anywhere. Uh, it was just a small prototype, but obviously built relationships with um, the team in IBM. Uh, nothing happened as a result, though, at that time. I actually ended up at the end of the fellowship. Um, I was at this sort of crossroads again. You know, fellowship was coming to an end. What do I do? Do I, do I, join, a, do I you know, join a startup? Do I go into consulting? Do I go yeah. back to practice medicine? Actually, Bupa offered me a, a full-time position to join them as their nice. clinical lead for digital health. So I did that, joined Bupa actually four days a week um, and kept a day a week clinical practice. So I'm still working um, in a general medicine clinic. Again, just to sort of de-risk in yeah. case, you know, I found that I didn't enjoy it. Um, and so I was doing Bupa four days a week, um, clinical practice one day a week and running doctorpreneurs on the side. And then, you know, long story short, towards the end of, you know, my time at Bupa, it was about a year into that, that role as their clinically for digital health. IBM had just launched their Watson Health business units. Um, they were looking for clinicians from around the world to come and join, and particularly clinicians with a bit of a technology and consulting background to join and help build their global clinical team. Um, and I got approached actually by um, some of the team that I'd worked with on that initial digital health prototype with Watson a year earlier. And it was just very informal. They said, look, you know, we're, we're building this new business unit. We're, we're looking to recruit this type of candidate. Um, you know, we know about you, you're a clinician, you, you work in the technology sector, you're interested in applying. And so, you know, through my CV in the ring, went through the interview process, um, was lucky enough to then be appointed and, and, and join Watson Health in October, 2016. Um, and so for my first four years in IBM, I was within the Watson Health business unit. Um, held different roles during that time, um, initially joining as sort of a clinical consultant in a full-time position, working across um, different geographies and, and really helping them to build this global clinical team and then took on different uh, leadership roles within that clinical team, ultimately leading it um, at the end. Um, and yeah, as a clinician in the business, and we can talk about this more, you know, walk, 
quite a few different hats um, in those first four years in terms of, and I, I kind of split it in, in four different ways. So um, one being sort of product focused. So as a clinician supporting the product team with product development, product strategy, and really being that clinical voice and clinical guidance to, to the product team for a range of solutions they were building at the time. Um, second, client facing. So as clients, whether it be hospitals or other healthcare organizations were purchasing or wanting to explore these solutions, we'd be leading those client engagement efforts in the field, wherever that may be in the world. And then if, as they were implementing the solutions, leading the sort of clinical implementation and clinical adoption effort to sort of help them implement and adopt these solutions. Um, and then of course, you know, taking those needs and translating that back to the development and design teams to, to evolve the different offerings we had. Um, then sort of number three was around team management and operations. So all the internal work as you start to take on management and leadership operations within the company, managing the team, setting up internal processes and, and, and on all the rest. And then number four, why sort of bucket into everything else where you're sort of supporting the sales and go to market team with sales engagements, supporting the research team with their activities and, and other things like thought leadership work. And so, yeah, I had a really great time, um, you know, learned a huge amount um, in that first four years and, and then um, decided to sort of take a change and actually stayed with IBM, but joined a different aspect of the business. So I joined their global business services division about a year ago as an associate partner for the healthcare division. Um, and that is essentially their consulting services um, organization. I'm still linked with Watson Health and still support them at a global level, but primarily my day-to-day -day is now focused on the global business services division. And so, yeah, that brings me to where I am today, um, full-time with IBM, you know, still um, supporting and running Doctorpreneurs as a passion project on the side and, and try to do a few of our bits and bobs and, and of course, try to find some critical time to balance and relax and enjoy family time as well. Absolutely. And good for you, mate. I think what an incredible journey. And I think the, the thing is, I think you live in the dream for so many people. I imagine there's quite a lot of people listening that are like, wow, you know, he, he, he did medicine. He got what he wanted from it. He uses his clinical, uh, like now, now in, uh, what he does for a corporate, he's got a startup on the side. There, there's so there's so much that looks like, oh, this guy has just like appeared in this glorious life. But there's loads of there's loads of work that goes into that. And I think it starts really early on. And actually, it was so many things of what you said interested me. And I've written a few down here. So I think doing something that initially planted that interest in other things that you could use your medical degree for. I think that's interesting yeah. because you didn't only plant the interest in doing that intercalated year. You gave yourself some knowledge and some skills that actually led you to have a slightly different framework with the way you viewed your job. And it's interesting because a similar thing happened to me. You then found yourself doing quality improvement projects because I believe you had a different knowledge and skill set. You had a different lens yeah. to see things through. You could start to see things in, in solutions, not just problems. Again, that was similar to me. In your F2 year, you did the very big quality improvement project that actually led to some change. Again, similar to me, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. again, in the South Thames Deanery. So like, yeah. <laughs> I literally, I, I can plot a lot of this and, and where you got to. I think, again, an interesting thing for me there as well, when you went to the US and did some strategy management, you, you, met, you talked about figuring out the why. Again, 
that for me is a very active process and that some people I find hope to have the why fall into their lap. Mm. I think it's something that does need work and it needs effort to actually figure out the why, because I don't think you can figure out the why when you're just doing one thing. I think it's very difficult. And I think medicine I think for, for, for us and our experience is always a tough one because it, it does rob you of a lot of time. It robs you a lot of headspace. And so until you manage to break out and to give yourself a fellowship, a nine to five, some evenings and weekends to actually do something that isn't just recharging your batteries, it does give you a bit of extra time to figure out the why. And you were able to do US strategy and management and doctorpreneurs in that time. So you could actually figure out is a startup the right thing the nonprofit yeah. the right thing you know there's lots there's lots of stuff there and then obviously the the the, the fellowship the glorious fml yeah, fellowship itself absolutely. that gives you all of that it gives you time it gives you experience in a corporate and i think again the final thing that i'll mention there in terms of the things that i'll pick out you you stayed a day clinical to de-risk your next move I think that is such an important and sensible mindset because keeping your options open, I think is so important. One of the biggest pieces of advice I end up giving to medical students and junior doctors that ask me about leaving medicine and and what can they do to maximize their opportunities? It's literally that maximize your opportunities Mm. and keep your options open. Don't just leave. Don't just have a fixed idea of what you might do, because if you've not done it before, you might not like it. And so to find a way to experience lots of different things, to find a way to actually, as you have put it, de-risk what you're you're doing, but give yourself that optionality is so important. And that's obviously led you into tech and everything that you're doing now. And we'll definitely talk about IBM in a second and everything that they do from a health tech perspective. But I suppose on you and your journey, the question that I have that I don't think you answered in that was why not clinical medicine for you? And is that it's because everything else was so great? What is it just pull factors or were there some push factors too? I'm interested. Yeah, so it's probably on reflection. Um, it's a mix of both. And just to provide a bit of context. So I'm, I'm from a family of doctors and my parents are both doctors, okay. they're GPs. Um, my brother, uh, elder brother, also went to medical school and is a GP. Good luck leaving um, medicine, mate. So, yeah, so you can start to see. So obviously, I, growing up, surrounded by yeah. doctors. A lot of my parents' friends were doctors and surrounded by medicine. Actually, I go back to why did I choose to go to medical school? Yeah. Um, and I actually, you know, I look back and it wasn't for any amazing reason. It was just actually my parents were doctors. I was trying to choose my A-levels at the time. I hear you, man. Chose the three sciences. And, and then you're kind of like, you know, as a, as a Asian, young Asian growing up, you know, you're cliche, you're given a few options, be an engineer, be an accountant, be a doctor. And I chose, why not go and be a doctor? And, and it was only when I got to medical school, then I started to really ask myself, what do I really actually want to do with my career? Yeah. Um, and so in terms of, you know, going through that management year was helpful because it just, again, like you said, exposed me to a different way of thinking and new opportunities I didn't even know existed at the time that you can combine, you know, medicine with these other things and have a more strategic focus and have a more technology business-minded focus. Um, And then really it was in my sort of foundation years when I was going through that, you know, journey, 
I enjoyed practice. So I actually enjoyed mm. my foundation years. I wasn't going into work um, disgruntled or, or hating it. But at the same time, there was this, I feel this itch and this burning desire inside of me to also explore those other passions that were emerging. So at five o'clock, you know, I'd be re- re- racing out of the hospital to go and attend a health tech conference. Because you had energy for that. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I was spending more of my time, more of my time, especially on weekends and whenever I wasn't on call, sort of reading, you know, business books and, and, yeah. and learning about the space. And I'd, so I'd say overall, it was more sort of pull factors at the time for me yeah. personally. It was, it was actually a positive decision to leave medicine. Um, I don't think I'd, I'd gone along far enough to say I was sort of burnt out by medicine or yes. I was disgruntled as a junior doctor. So for me, it was much more positive, you know, decision in terms of, I, I really feel like I in, enjoy these other things and doing that handover project and leading it. I was like, wow, I really enjoy this. Let me explore this more. And then the fellowship and so forth. And I just sort of incrementally building on the experience and help reinforce my confidence to know that I think I'm on the right track. But look, still to this day, I continue to reflect and, 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 and reassess, uh, you know, do I enjoy what I'm doing? Am I, what am I hoping to do in the next five or 10 years? Am I on the right track? Did I make the right decisions? And I think that reflection process has been critical for me throughout in terms of understanding my why and helping me to stay, you know, having a focus and, and, and enjoy what I'm doing. I love that because I think that is one of the really positive things that medicine teaches you to audit your life every year because yeah. you're on this yearly cycle where you move hospitals and you, you know, go up a stage and all those different things, you know, year to year cycles. I feel like I've retained that. I really do. And I feel like I, just like you've described, I do audit my life and I'm like, what are the things in my week that I don't actually enjoy? What are the things that are stuck at the bottom of the to-do list that I just can't clear? Yeah. Maybe I should not be doing that. Maybe I should be doing less of that. What are the things that fly off the top? Maybe I should be leaning more into that. And actually, yeah, I, I find that that leads me far more into even even the specific technologies that I prefer to be part mm. of now and even the the specific types of companies the specific types of people that I like to work with yep. I learn so much by just having an active reflective period and it tends to be around Christmas now actually I'm, I'm more of an annual <laughs> cycle than an August cycle yeah because obviously the new doctors are starting this week aren't they started yeah, yesterday right. so right. oh my goodness I know. Um, Gosh, brings back memories it does bring back memories doesn't it <laughs> um but yeah I tend to I tend to do it around Christmas time which is interesting can you still remember your first day Yes, I can. Um, I honestly, you know what, it was one of the, when I was a med student, um, I didn't really, you know, learn how to do bloods and cannulas as a med student, except, except for on a mannequin, except for on a mannequin. <laughs> so my first day, I was just, you know, like paranoid and like anxious about being asked to do bloods or yeah. cannula. And I remember like, you know, um, my first attempt and missing like three times yeah. and having to get the registrar. Yeah. But it's funny, you know, you look back and at the end of the year after doing anesthetics and ITU yeah. for rotation, you're putting yeah. in central lines and, yeah. and intubating patients. So, um, yeah, but I really, I don't think at that time, and I don't know if it's changed now, but, you know, medical school didn't really prepare you for that first No, I don't, no, at all. definitely, definitely. Yeah. And on that, I suppose, looking at the health tech space now, looking at the medical students coming through, those junior doctors that have just started on the wards, you may be the same as me that I I really like talking to medical students and junior doctors and 
they I get imposter syndrome because they see me as some sort of success outside of medicine and probably like me it does not feel like that at all but I can see why it is perceived that way um so you're often caught in this thing of giving advice I more just ask questions I never tell people what to do I just ask more questions until I figure out what they actually want to do but what do you think about opportunities now in health tech? What do you, what advice would you give to maybe those junior doctors starting on the wards? Maybe it's the medical students that are looking at those people. It's them get them next year. There's lots of people trying to do loads of stuff. Everyone, potentially, maybe we're biased because we're in the space, but I feel like there's so much pressure to have a startup, so much pressure to be in health tech, so much pressure to to freelance and do all these different things. And and what what's your what's your advice for people that that come to you with this kind of plethora? Of, of of cvs and portfolios that, that are quite frightening <laughs> my yeah, cv no, isn't as good as theirs <laughs> yeah no you've raised such a such an important point and you know through through the work i've done with entrepreneurs again you know often get um medical students reaching out in a similar God, yeah, way you see loads of it and and what i probably didn't describe during when i was sort of articulating my career journey you know it sounds very rosy and it sounds like mm. all the steps just connected but huge amount of challenges and you know adversity and difficulties during that process which often don't get spoken about maybe we can speak about it later but in terms of advice you know coming back to that first point just to really take a step back to reflect as we were talking about and just to really ask yourself you know why you why you're doing what you're doing and I I used to enjoy sort of coming up with a sort of five or ten year vision as to roughly what's my north star where would I like to be in the best case scenario in 10 years it doesn't have to be like i want to be in a specific role yeah but just what type of things would i like to be doing you know in an ideal situation but that you can only come up with that once you've really understood who you are as a person what you truly enjoy doing what's motivating you and why it's doing that and i think i always tell medical students whatever they're doing just take a step back you know even if you're in a really successful startup or you're doing something really great just take a step back and and, and do that reflective piece and, and, and mm. use that as your foundation then to build on. Then I would say to sort of get organized in terms of, and, and, and have a bit of focus, because there is a lot of opportunity out there. And I would say there's a lot of distraction, which can actually take you off into different tracks almost and almost destabilize you because of, you know, you're constantly seeing on LinkedIn or on Instagram, other people doing other things and thinking, oh, I should be doing that, as opposed to really focusing on what you should be, you, what you're interested in and want to do with your career. So I'd say, you know, try to follow your interests, but again, de-risk it, especially early on, do your foundation training. Um, and whilst, when you have time alongside that, focus on the day job, number one, focus on being a good doctor and, and getting through, because it's really tough. Firstly, medical school is really stuff, tough. So I always say, don't forget about your exams, yeah. right? You know, if you're running a startup, focus on your exams, focus on the, the, the core aim. And if you're a junior doctor, focus on being a good junior doctor, first and foremost. And then on the side, start to explore those opportunities. Nice. Um, and ways you can do that, like we did, look out for these fellowship programs, which I think are great because they're structured. Yeah. They retain your attachment to the NHS and they, they're done in sort of a protected way where you're, you know, you've got a number of people doing it with you. Mm. There's a community of you. Mm. Um, you're, you're, you're still within the NHS sort of framework. And just to jump in, by the way, if 
currently you are part of a health tech startup, one that might be Series A, Series B doing quite well, whether you're the founder, whether you're C-suite or whether you're anything to do with hiring or growing a team. Mm -hmm. If you want someone with clinical expertise that thinks differently, uh, that is possibly a coiled spring that's going to do some great things in the space, have a look at a few of the fellowships. Have a look at the Darcy fellows. Have a look at the, the FMLM fellows uh, that's the faculty of medical leadership and management that catchy title um, have a look at those fellowships because those clinicians are the ones that have self-selected starting to do different things doing leadership and management training looking at technology i'm sure there's topple fellows now yep, that would be okay. similar you know if, if if you're looking to hire clinicians for all of the great things that clinicians bring in their work ethic their ability to squeeze lots into a day and multitask their, their sales tactics because they sell x-rays to registrars or sell <laughs> patients to registrars all day uh, in uh, in in radiology um, and consultants. But yeah, look, clinicians are great, and I think you'll find you, you do find plenty of them in uh, in in those fellowships. But you know, just giving a, a different view to that. But I agree. Definitely, big shout out to the fellowships, and 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 there are other things. There are other um, you know things you can look at doing as well. We talked about quality improvement. Yeah. Again, a great way to, you know, complement your clinical practice work with leading a quality improvement initiative and very similar to sort of how you'd go about building a product for a startup, right? Methodo methodology is the same, essentially. Um, you know, lean startup building off that sort of PDSA mm. quality improvement cycle. That's a really good way of getting involved and really helped me, um, again, in more of a controlled way. Um, and then, you know, a few other things that have helped me sort of reading broadly, um, especially in those early years, going to sort of like health tech conferences or attending conferences online, doing short courses. There are a huge amount of sort of open online courses you can do, which don't take a huge amount of time. Introductory to AI, um, introduction to machine learning, et cetera, introduction to digital health, just to, you know, you don't have to go and do an MBA, but you can at least get a flavor of what's yeah. this about, learn about the space, and that will help you to understand what you're interested in. And then I think, Another big thing for me was around looking out for mentors and, mm. and trying to get a mentor, something I feel I've, I've never had early on growing up, never had during medical school, but started to understand the importance as I transitioned out of clinical practice. Um, I think mentors and coaches are incredibly helpful to, to sort of help you to discover and answer those challenging questions and, and, and help you on your path and give you that guidance because either they've They've been through the same challenges that you have and mm. learned a lot and can share some of their learnings um, and also to open up opportunities, um, you know, as they, as you get to know them and build relationships with them, um, they can potentially open up opportunities for you in, in different walks of life. Um, and I think that's been incredibly helpful for me, you know, and now I try to sort of give back as well and, and, and do mentorship and, and, and coaching whether it's within my day job of IBM or through yeah. entrepreneurs or through other things like the Clinical Entrepreneur Fellowship Scheme. Again, just to help those who are maybe having those sort of career dilemmas and difficulties to navigate it in the best way and, and do it in a responsible way um, so they aren't risking everything and, and ending up two or three years later sort of wondering why they made the decision they did. Nice. I love it, man. So before we talk about IBM, You've mentioned doctorpreneurs a couple of times. Obviously, you're doing a few different bits and bobs. Um, tell us what that is. Tell us who that helps. And I suppose it's a useful resource for those people that might be medical students, junior doctors that are pretty clear that health tech is what they want to be involved with. 
Yeah, so Doctorpreneurs, as you mentioned earlier, it's, we're a nonprofit and essentially a community for healthcare professionals, mainly sort of doctors and medical students who are interested in technology innovation in healthcare and, and entrepreneurship, of course. Um, and so we started it back in, originally the first website was launched in 2011 by Clen Overall. Um, and my, myself and Vishal and one of our other co-founders, Nick, we got together in sort of 2013, 2014 and saw an opportunity here to do something um, with that initial website, um, really to solve a problem we all had when we were coming out of medical school is how do you, if you're interested in this space, how do you go about it? What are, where are the resources? Who's done it before? How can you learn from them? What opportunities are out there? And so we, we launched it officially as a nonprofit in 2014. And we've really kind of had three main sort of focus areas over the years, although we've done lots of bits and bobs. The first being sort of maintaining the website as a central source of sort of inspiration and information. And, you know, we yeah. interview lots of doctors turned entrepreneurs or, or, met, or doctor innovators, again, to hear about their story, kind of like what you do, you know, with the podcast and, and yeah. share those learnings. And we know that we also have a, you know, bunch of other resources on the website um, that, that medical students or doctors interested in the field can access. Um, number two was really around events. We used to run a lot of events, including our startup schools, which I know you spoke at in the past. I did, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, back in the day. Again, just to help get community members down, run sort of tailored workshops and programs. Again, thinking about the clinician primarily. That's our mm. niche. You know, thinking about the clinician interested in innovation entrepreneurship and what do they need to know. And then number three was opportunities. And we have a sort of opportunities jobs board where because of our you know, community, we have startups and other corporates reaching out to us sometimes to help from a recruitment perspective, whether it's medical directors, chief medical officers, clinical advisor roles. And so we help, we list those on the platform um, and, and sort of help from a recruitment perspective. And, and so we've done lots of other bits and bobs over the years. Um, and we've, I think in recent years, because of the explosion in other communities and other resources, we've really probably slimmed down what we do from a doctorpreneur's perspective significantly, mm. just to keep it sustainable. It is yeah. more of a nonprofit, it is a passion project. Um, and so we really focus now more on the opportunity side of things um, yeah. and, and th than anything else. Um, and again, just being that community for like-minded individuals that they know that they can come and reach out to us, reach out to the community, meet like-minded people, get a bit of advice and, and navigation and help them on their journey. It's always so been again, a, yeah. an issue, I think, of the health tech space that there's not been a, there's not ever been, I don't think, a, a real central component. Exactly. And there's, it's always been pretty fragmented and quite difficult to sort of get into. Yeah. And as you say, what are the right resources? What are the right paths? And, and I think really the answer is there is no path. There is no degree you can do that solidifies you and puts you on the path of like oh right now i'm just going to be you know on the path to ceo of medtronic because i've yeah, done this thing exactly. or this i can now found a company because i've done this thing like there's it's it's so difficult to do that and i think there's loads of opportunity there like you guys are, are capitalizing on and i think um yeah there's 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 lots of lots of room for us to to grow as an industry i think to have definitely. to have that central component um and you guys are definitely definitely part of it which is cool but i suppose onto onto the main course of here uh, talking about ibm because i know yeah. that's what a lot of people will be interested in 
So IBM, what do you, what what does IBM do in healthcare? What's IBM's? Do they have a department? Do they have a building? Do they have like a group of people that sit on the grass somewhere and talk about health? Like, how do they? What do they do? Like, t- tell me about IBM. Sure. And Let's provide some context. So obviously, so IBM is you know it's it's a global technology and services company, over 110 years old. So one of the oldest you know technology companies, and has done a huge amount over the years, including in healthcare. Um, pioneering different innovations and pioneering research in different fields over the years. And it's sort of reinvented itself as a company. I think it's, in, it's on its fifth reinvention. Um, so in, from my perspective, I'll, I'll probably talk a little bit about my experience over the last five years and, and sort of what I've done, because otherwise, you know, it, it's almost too broad to talk about <laughs> um, yeah. all the different facets. So when I joined, so I joined in 2016, when IBM had just launched this new business unit, Watson Health, which was a sort of dedicated healthcare technology and AI unit that was formed following several large acquisitions of sort of healthcare and medical data companies. Yeah. We invested about over $4 billion at the time. Oof. Yeah. And, um, and some additional internal investment to sort of see if they could more, again, to, to sort of double down on healthcare and see yeah. how they could apply AI analytics and other technologies to solve some of big complex challenges in healthcare. And so I was part of, you know, the early stages of that business unit. Um, My area um, that I was tasked with focusing on was oncology and genomics. And so our global clinical team at that time, and and Watson Health covered many different areas, you know, government health solutions, imaging, um, life sciences, and, and other areas. But what I was focused on for the first four years was really the oncology and genomics portfolio. And so we were tasked as a clinical team with um, helping sort of the development and evolution of a suite of AI-powered clinical decision support solutions that were really aimed at supporting um, the oncologist and oncology care team with helping them to deliver sort of, you know, personalized medicine and more effective care for their patients. Um, And so, you know, a lot of experience in terms of, you know, that space of working mm. with those types of clinical decision support systems um, and implementing them in the field and the lessons learned and the challenges and so forth. Um, but of course, more broadly, just to jump know, in, yeah, yeah not on. too, not too dissimilar from like quip days and just PDSA yep. cycles. And, exactly. You know. Yep. Absolutely. Exactly. And all that learning I was able to bring into yeah. sort of interesting you know, units. Um, but then of course, broadly, you know, Watson health over the years, continues you know to have a broad portfolio as i mentioned they've got um an imaging business as well where they have a range mm. of solutions in that space um they've recently launched things like the digital health pass which is all around supporting organizations with you know um managing sort of the verification of health credentials as, okay. as employees return to workplaces or or other environments and then more broadly you know given it's such a global company um it has its services division where it'll be focused on, you know, working with different healthcare organizations and, and tackling complex problems through a combination of the technology capabilities, whether it's AI analytics, now things like hybrid cloud um, and other things like cybersecurity, but also it's consulting services expertise. So, you know, incredibly, you know, you know, a huge amount of history with IBM as an organization, of course, a huge amount of work from a healthcare perspective in recent years through Watson Health, but also the wider IBM. And now IBM as a company is going through its sort of latest reinvention under, under the new CEO, Arvind Krishna, who started last year. And now the laser, the laser focus is all around hybrid cloud and AI um, at, a, at a sort of enterprise level, 
but of course that trend that um, of course relates to our focus in healthcare as well. Interesting. So in your experience then, in terms of working with IBM, if you're part of a startup, I mean, how does IBM do it? You mentioned that obviously they go, they go acquiring to just set up new stuff, which they did with Watson. That's at one kind of end of the scale. Do, do they partner? Do they speak to, do they work with startup? Do they have a finger on that pulse? Are they looking for, for people in different fields? I imagine, you know, if, if, if there's a heavy focus on, on AI at, at enterprise level that bleeds down, I imagine that there's lots of, they need to keep their finger on the pulse, right? So Absolutely. you guys, you guys must look at quite a lot of stuff to get a, to get a, a broad view of what's going on. Yeah. Again, at an IBM level, absolutely they do. And there'll be, you know, um, they've got various different programs where startups can come and leverage some of the technology like yeah. capabilities as part of their startup or initial technology development at a reduced cost or no cost um, for them to be able to explore and, and prototype and develop things. And, and absolutely as part of that, helping to establish that startup ecosystem and, and, and seeing that flourish. And so there are various different programs that IBM runs um, globally to support startups. Uh, of course, at a local level, you know, I personally have involvement with things like the Clinical Entrepreneur Program yeah. and some of the other accelerator programs um, that exist. And again, supporting them with, with um, bridging the gap um, in terms of my career and, and, and also what IBM can provide. So absolutely, you know, IBM does a huge amount globally um, in different spheres as well. And I think that's critical to um, really helping the startup ecosystem to, to flourish and having that sort of startup corporate partnership yeah. Um, and being able to leverage the benefits of being yeah. the IBM, the big global technology company that works at scale and, and has resources and, and capabilities and relationships all over the world and helping then to provide that in a condensed way so startups yeah. can leverage it um, in an effective way. So that's super interesting for me, actually, because I guess you see you see all of those different sides because you see it from a corporate perspective. You yeah. work with the clinical entrepreneur program and other bits. So you see it from the startup perspective. You also see it from... The, the the companies and individuals etc that you'll work with at IBM and also through doctorpreneurs as well that there's loads of there's loads of angles that you see this from and I think it's a really important point again there'll be there'll be people listening that don't want to found their own company yeah. but they like the health tech space and they want to get involved in health tech and they might want to work somewhere like IBM because that's right for them and I think it's a really important point that you don't have to you don't have to found a company. You don't have to raise money from VCs. You don't have to be doing all of this stuff to make an impact in health tech. Because frankly, if everybody did that, the place would fail. Like you need people <laughs> doing literally everything. And, and like you said, back to that self-awareness point about what works for you as an individual to then go and go and make that impact. I suppose my question here is, what elements of your job at IBM do you enjoy? Because I remember, I remember seeing you, I think it was at one of the giant healths and like yeah, you, were, right. you were jet setting around the world. Like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. You just like so many flights, which I'm aware can sound more glamorous than it is, but like yeah, just, I got home and I was like, ah, oh, like, ah, oh, I've just like trying to be building all this stuff. And I'm just like in the dirt the whole time. Like this guy's like probably flying first class. No, everywhere. not at all. Like, definitely not first <laughs> class. Definitely not first class. Economy next to the bathroom. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's um, it's definitely not as glamorous as it all sounds, and that's why I want to caveat it with sort yeah, of yeah. thinking about some of the challenges. So you asked, I guess, what do I enjoy first? Yeah. Um, so for me, I guess being able to work at that sort of intersection of clinical, commercial, and technology fields for me as yeah. a person by background 
is amazing. Because um, those are your interests. Exactly. Those and this is that, yeah. Exactly. And being able to, you know, work with an amazing team of engineers and mm. designers and um, offering managers. Which and- I'd say is similar to a startup. However, you're not concerned about burn rates and P&Ls. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. You're just getting paid at the end of every month. So. Absolutely. But we've got targets to, you've got targets to hit, of you know, course. the competitive environment and um, the challenges are there in terms of, you know, and I often talk about the concept of the intrapreneur. Um, yes. You know, the intrapreneur within. So you can be within IBM. You can start new initiatives and lead new projects right, awesome. and build new business units and take on new propositions and be more of wow. an entrepreneur within a large organization and see success from that perspective. So, you know, I think, again, another thing that things like the corporate provide is that it's a global company. You can reach out to team members all over the world and, and learn from them, have conversations with them, get on projects with them and work in a truly multidisciplinary fashion with mm. a really diverse group of individuals. And to do that as a startup, of course you can do it, but it takes much, much longer and yes. the team and be concerned about that. And really it gives you that sort of badge and permission to really go to any organization and, and introduce yourself and potentially just get a coffee chat with, with anyone and, and, and to have that introductory chat and having that global brand of IBM behind you, oh, you yeah. to build relationships, to seek out new opportunities and to learn a lot and the education and training you get from being part of the corporates and the bigger organizations is also something that's really you know good to be part of on the flip side though there are obviously lots of challenges right it's a ibm is an organization as i mentioned almost 110 years old incredibly large a lot of bureaucracy huge amounts of internal processes Mm. you know you are looking at things quarter by quarter because it's a public company and it's it's, 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 it's measured that way and you're looking at stock price and all these different yep. metrics which do impact your day-to-day life and and of course the amount of change you know that goes on in these companies as well you're constantly you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable because yes. change is constant and your job role may be changing the strategy may be changing on a constant basis and you as an employee even if you have a leadership role you may not feel as always that you have a, an opportunity to influence the strategy as much as you'd like. Um, and that can sometimes, you know, be challenging. Whereas in a startup, and if you're part of the C-suite, you are making those decisions mm-hmm. day in, day out. Whereas in an IBM, you're sort of aligning and, and, and sometimes, you know, a cog in the, in, in the system. Right, a little I'm bit. sure it could, yeah, and, and it can feel. I'm sure it can feel like that. Again, it relates back to, I suppose, how sometimes we felt in medicine, and and yeah. that you know that's a pretty big organization, the NHS, as well. That's and it. you you, yeah. you can also feel like that. But like you said, it's about self awareness. It's about knowing what your skills and interests are, and then it's about setting up your life in such a way that who cares how you're paid, what you're doing. Like it doesn't matter if you're getting what you want from it. That's ultimately what matters. And for some people being their own boss they will take all the stress and anxiety and the fact they need to raise money and the fact they need to win client they'll take all of that because that that one thing is the most important to them and for others it's the the security and the safety and maintaining all their interests and Mm. you know there's lots of there's lots of different factors at play but i think you're right there's no there's no one answer and i I think Mm. it is important 
because I think on this podcast, even there's been sort of the, uh, what they call it survival bias that, you know, yeah. everyone you get in is like the founder of some amazing health tech company and you're, and you can be forgiven for feeling like, Oh my God, it's so easy to form a health tech startup. Maybe this is what I should do. Exactly. <laughs> All these people that are so successful, like 200 episodes, but no, it's not, uh, it's not no. often like that. You, you know, I, I don't, I haven't had the chance to interview the people that it hasn't worked out for. Um, and so I think we we're exacerbating a bit of survivor bias. So I am keen for, for us to just reinforce that message which i'm glad we've done yeah in i in ibm at the minute what are you what are you working on that's like really interesting if you can say yeah yeah absolutely so as i mentioned currently an associate partner within the global business services division um Mm. so within the uk of course and with the nhs there's a huge amount in terms of the pandemic recovery and supporting NHS. So you're consulting the NHS on the pandemic recovery. Well, NHS, I mean, you know, the NHS oh, organizations. Yeah, so that, we'll be yeah. working with multiple NHS organizations with things like, you know, how they can leverage AI and analytics to oh, nice. their care pathways, supporting them with sort of digital and clinical transformation efforts. Um, and then more broader sort of, as we move towards integrated care systems, you know, how do they emerge and, and what sort of technology and capabilities do you need to, um, to do that effectively and so huge amount of effort of course is focused on the nhs right now yeah and working with different organizations um to optimize processes improve care improve care pathways Uh, and of course other things like i mentioned you know around which is really topical right now with with the covid uh, situation things like the digital health pass you know something that ibm launched um recently helps an individual to um sort of um have their health credentials verified. They can store their health credential on in a digital, secure digital wallet, and then they can share that health credential with an organisation like a, an airline or their employer, who can then verify it and, and sort of determine what rules they want to be in place for them to return to work or for them to um, board an aeroplane. And again, IBM has a solution in that space, and we have, we're working with an ecosystem of partners. But if you think about that concept of sort of digital verifiable credentials it's much broader than just the use case of sort of health credentials. It can be Mm. used for digital identity in general. Um, And so there are opportunities and use cases to think about how we use blockchain. um, Yeah, there it is. I was waiting for it. There it is. You're waiting waiting for for it. (laughs) You're waiting for it. Another. So, so, you know, blockchain is technology to, to facilitate that, uh, um, that type of use case. And so lots of exciting things going on, but very challenging right now, as we know, you know, the NHS and other healthcare organizations around the world are still very much in recovery mode. Um, huge challenges they're facing. And, and sometimes, you know, we talk a lot about AI, machine learning, and all these fancy technologies like blockchain. But actually, what, what organizations need help with right now is sometimes just having the, 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 the capacity to be able to facilitate Zoom calls, right? Just having that data processing capability and storage and, 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 and the simpler things of just having their computers to be able to turn on and work mm. and, and be able to connect with one another. So we think it's really important that we balance. Um, and we always, I try to take that view as well, that we're not constantly trying to talk about AI analytics and machine learning. They are phenomenal technology and have huge, great potential in the future, but we're very early on in those journeys and we have to take our clients and healthcare organizations on that journey with us and really be really client centric and driven by user needs. I love it, man. I it's been a pleasure having you on. Like you can hear the passion in your voice for, 
that those those things you know the clinical the the managerial the improvement the innovation the you know it you can you can hear that you've you've successfully set up a life where you're where you're actually utilizing all those things you've got the startup non-profit program you've got your advisor mentor stuff you've got your corporate gig like it seems you've mentioned the word balance a few times. It seems like you've worked quite hard to achieve a balance. It seems like you're someone similar to me that likes doing lots of different things. You you get energy from that variety, and I think yeah. it's uh, it's no mean feat to to set up a life like that. So yeah, congratulations to you, and I think good, yeah, good on you. And I think the um, the advice that you that you can give for others is um, is certainly valuable. And I imagine that a lot of people will be looking to to maybe ask you a question or, or get in touch with you. So for those people that do want to reach out to you, uh, what's the what's the best way for them to do so? And where can they learn more about IBM as well? Or Dr. Yeah, Pears? absolutely. So I've got a personal website, www.adimero.com. You can reach out to me and just through there or through drpreneurs, drpreneurs.com uh, or my email, avi at drpreneurs.com as well. Um, I check out the IBM website. You can just type in IBM into Google. It'll come up with the main website and you can see all the work we're doing from a healthcare perspective as well there. Um, so yeah, absolutely happy for anyone to reach out and um, always happy to support. And again, just want to say, you know, congratulations to you too on, on Somex and, and, oh, and the launch and, and the podcast and everything else you're doing. And I just want to caveat, I know you were very complimentary with your, you know, closing comments, but I'm very much consider myself still at the early stages of my career, trying to figure things out and, yeah. and, 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 and continue to reflect and work on that long-term plan. So um, I do want to maybe another opportunity, talk more about the challenges, the failures, um, all of that, you know, and, and sometimes things that aren't often um, discussed at length. Well, we're going to get you back for a five minute episode. So perhaps we can, we can do it in there. Perhaps we can that. do it in there um Abby it's been a pleasure my friend I, I completely agree with you we're, we're we're both works in progress we're both trying to figure things out still Definitely. um and the, the 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 best way I think I've either heard it put or said myself or combination of the two is that I think the reason is that happiness and contentment are both moving targets which mm-hmm. is why what's going to make you happy and content one year one week one day is probably different the next then i think we're both going to have to just keep iterating we'll we'll see if we ever get there but it's i think the two of us have set it up so at least we enjoy a fair amount of the journey so i think that's the the most important thing but um as i say pleasure having on my friend look forward to speaking again pleasure to be on thanks james hey everyone thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode Remember to subscribe, rate us and leave a review and you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content.